Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Health Science Podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss all things health science related. My name is Adam Kriz. I'm your host. I'm a teacher at Forest Grove High School. Today's episode stars a returning champion, Lance Deal, four-time Olympian, silver medalist, world record holder in the 35-pound weight throw, and a good friend of mine. Uh, we were training partners um, when I first met him, and I had the good fortune of having him be my coach in hammer throw at the University of Oregon. Um, really knowledgeable person, really interesting guy. Um, he was nice enough to zoom into my exercise physiology class and present to them on this kind of goofy, I, I don't want to say it's goofy, I think it's brilliant, but uh, it's an idea I had on how to conceptually organize the training process that both Lance and I went through um, that was that was presented to us by our coach and mentor, Stuart Toger. Uh, it was a really great conversation. I really hope you enjoy it. We did discuss um, a PowerPoint during this, this conversation. I think we did a pretty decent job of making sure the concepts come through in an auditory setting. If you would like to actually visually see what we're talking about, I did post our interview on YouTube. And I'm by no means very good at editing video, so I just stuck the whole raw video on YouTube. If you search on YouTube, Skills Pyramid with Lance Deal and Adam Kriz, it'll come up. Um, so if you'd rather listen to the, the episode that way, uh, that would be awesome. Um, or enjoy just listening to the audio version. I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. And here we go. We're, we're recording. So Lance Steele, thank you for coming in to exercise physiology class. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah. One of hey. my favorite so, so I'm going to try to introduce you this time. Um, okay. So I, I, I tried to write down your highlights and then I was, I was, wasn't clear on some of the, um, some, some of the things, but let's see four time Olympian. Yes, sir. From 88 to 2000. Uh huh. Okay. Silver medalist in 1992. Indeed. Yes. True. You, and you're still currently the world record holder for the, for the weight throw, correct? Well, yes. Yeah. And I think I'm the world record holder for the left-handed hammer, but we don't count that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So Lance throws the hammer. That's just, the wrong me, way. Getting, that's just me getting desperate. No, I, it, I, <laughs> It counts. Are you kidding me? If there's a world record for punting the hammer, I would claim it. Uh, like that's, that's fine. Um, you, you were up until very recently the American record holder in the hammer. Yes, that's why I got desperate about the left-handedness thing. <laughs> we won't talk about that too much. I'm not sure if it still stings, but uh, but Rudy Rudy Winkler is a nice guy, right? He's a nice guy. Yeah. He's he's, he's uh, 
he has integrity. He's he's uh, doing things uh, really right because he's thrown really far. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so you were a coach at University of Oregon for eight years? Yeah, something like that. Seven or eight. Seven or eight years. Okay. Um, you're an inventor. I have invented things. I have a patent. You have a patent. So a, a full-on uh, inventor, a fabricator. I have a welder. Yeah. Massage therapy. And I, and I glue metal with electricity, which is really fun. There you go. And I'm a massage therapist. Yes. Licensed and, LMT, licensed massage therapist. And, and for, for the purpose of this class, uh, it's important to know you're an exercise science major, right? I am. Well, yes. Not, not completely, absolutely, literally. My, my degree in college was called K through, it was a PE degree, physical education, K through 12, non-teaching broad field with a scientific emphasis. What that means is uh, when I went to my, my advisor in college and said, listen, I really don't want to teach little kids how to do jumping jacks. What I really want to know is upper level nutritions, upper level anatomies, upper level physiologies. And he designed a curriculum for me and two other students the same year. And the next time the, 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 the catalog came out from Montana State, our, our, our course work was in there as an exercise physiology degree. So, okay. so I guess I'm, a, I guess I'm a, a pioneer too. I, I helped create the exercise physiology program at Montana State. There you go. Um, really long answer to a short question. That, that was, that was. And, and you, you, and, I, you and I go back. We, we go back ways. Um, shoot, I think it's coming up almost like on 20 years that, that we've known each other. What? How much? Longer than 20 years. Wait. Well, you started, you started training yeah. with us when you were a freshman, right? Yes, 1998. That's more but, than 20 years. Yeah. You and I have known each other for uh, 20, 24 years. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So, so we both had the same coach and, and mentor named Stuart Toger. Um, and so we were training partners for a bit. And then my last year at University of Oregon, I had the good fortune of having you be my coach. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. That was really yeah, fun. Yeah, listening to Wilco and the weight room. And... <laughs> it was great. It was great. It's phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're here. Um, we're going to talk about um, organizing training principle. We're going to go through that goofy little PowerPoint that I made. Um, and as, as, as a way of kind of organizing training in, in a hierarchy, being able to prioritize um, exercises. Um, and, and this is, uh, so I wrote this out as something that would be that, that I got from talking to our coach. And, and I think it's valid. And I think it applies on how looking at corrective exercises and doing these, these, um, functional movement assessments, why those would apply to injury prevention, especially when we're talking about athletes. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think it's great. I think that, that the stuff that I've seen from you is, is kind of a cross between cutting edge and, and really generally applicable to almost anything, which is, to me, that's, if you can apply it to, 
to other situations besides the specific thing you're looking at, that's that's when I think it's true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope I haven't seen it laid out like this anywhere else, you know, taught, you know, uh, um, yeah, I've showed it to some other people and they they haven't seen it anywhere. So either it's crazy and no one's <laughs> bothered writing it down or, or it's pretty valid. And I think it sums up sure. a lot of the conversations that that, um, you know, I, I Stuart and I had our, our and I had. Um, can we can we start off, though, just because we're going to be talking about the hammer throw, and I'm not sure the students necessarily know a lot about the hammer throw. And I don't want to talk, you know, a ton about um, Atlanta, but I figured it'd be helpful. Just show the video, man. That's that's what I was going to do. Um, and so... A lot of stuff on your screen. Yeah. There he is. So let's see if I present... I got the chat open. Um, yeah, so if you guys have questions for Lance as, as we go along, um, throw them in the chat and, and we'll ask him. So um, this is a skills pyramid, and this is something that that uh, my coach and I would, would talk about a lot. So so there so there's our coach Stuart Toger. Um, he's he's the guy that I, I stole a lot of these ideas from, um, and I can't remember what I added myself and then what came from Stuart necessarily. Just kind of a, a mix. So I'll just say I, I stole from him very liberally. All right. So here's the good stuff. This is this is um the the olympics in in 1992 in atlanta georgia and we're gonna watch lance uh throw here so just so you guys get a sense of what the hammer throw is like can you guys can someone put in the chat if you guys can see this yeah you can okay cool so i'm gonna i'm gonna he was way off the pace in terms of the medal positions but he needed this long how how far is that? So that's the Czech guy. That, that wasn't me. That, that right. He's a Ukra uh, Ukrainian. He's Ukrainian. Ukrainian. Skvaruk. I'm trying to turn down the volume on just the. Here we go. I'm not sure the volume. That's 80, that's 80 meters. So that's 262 feet, five inches. All right. And so I, we can fast forward here. Let's 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 get to you throwing. Yeah, I don't want to see that other guy. <laughs> That's the guy that won, not that guy. That's Krikun. Here we go. So this is Lance right here. It's not a very good video. Is it, is it pretty laggy? It's, per, it's pretty choppy, yeah. So, so how far was that? Was that 81? That was 81, what, 81, 12? So 266 something? 266 feet. Can, can you put that in context for us as far as like a football field goes? Yeah, almost, so it, from, from, the, from one goal line to the other 11-yard line. Wow, okay. So that's pretty good. You're standing on the goal line. You can throw it to the 11 yard line on the other side of the field. On the other side. Yeah. Not bad. I could have thrown it into bomb. So, and, and how, how much does the hammer weigh? 16 pounds. 
16 pound and it's and so on the its whole length is four feet long yeah yeah it's got a triangular handle that you know you go um you know you hold it like that and the wire comes out and, and so, yeah you, spin, you, you have a glove on your inner hand because it hurts really bad if you don't cool I think that uh, that gives us an idea of what what we're what we're talking about here. Um, Let's start any basketball. So so what what Stuart um, would always talk about is that in order to make any complex or, or, or in, yeah, in order to generate any complex skill, it has to come from two basic skills. Right or or in 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 order to come up with a new movement, the, the brain has to recruit um, two basic skills to make a new movement or or new skill out of. And so I I set up this this pyramid um, to kind of explain how skill development and performance works. Um, so I just have a graph here where along the x-axis I have um, number of skills. And on the y-axis, I have performance. So, so the taller the pyramid gets, um, that corresponds with um, increased performance. All right. And so, so what what I did here is in this in this pyramid, I just had like really basic hammer stuff, and I and I just put them in here as like um, ways of representing the idea. Um, and and I'm not exactly sure this is this is that these two skills would necessarily um, lead to linking up the more complex one, but I try to keep it as, as close as I could for the hammer coaching that I do, um, which I generally I'm dealing, I'm, I'm coaching hammer throwers have never tried it before at all. And they're starting from absolute scratch. Um, and so I have two basic skills of focus on a target and then winding the hammer as two basic skills. And then those two basic skills can be linked up to having a throw with, with a direction. And so having a throw with direction is gonna give you a certain amount of performance. And I just, my thinking there is like, well, okay, you gotta be able to wind the hammer around and develop some momentum in the hammer. And you have to have focus on a target if you're gonna throw it in a particular direction. That's all I'm digging with that one. Um, and so if, if it takes two basic skills to make a more complex skill, then how we should be developing performance is we'd have to go all, if we wanna make this, this pyramid higher, we have to go back down on the base of the pyramid and add a new basic skill and then start linking up more skills to make a higher pyramid. And so we add one more block to the base of the pyramids, so the, the pyramid can, can go higher. And so in order to get one unit of performance um, greater, we actually have to have three units of skill development for that one unit of performance. Thoughts, Lance? So far, this is brilliant, right? No, it, it, and, and as we get further along, it, it becomes more and more brilliant, really. The, the thing that I really like about, first of all, the, the, the first example, is absolutely the first thing you do with a thrower, you know, and, and, it, and it's a really simple way to, and I guess you could, well, not I guess, I, I know that you could apply it to any other sport. 
um, you just have to you, you have to know the sport well enough to to be able to define uh, uh, those those things because we know hammer really well it's super easy yeah that's the first that's the first drill you do you you, you learn the wind and then you say okay throw it out there and it cr it creates and that's your first throw and then all the rest of the stuff in the hammer is is literally based on that very first skill yeah that, that was my trial for Oregon yeah yeah that, that's, that's that's all I did could could I could I throw it uh the hammer with a direction that that was it that's all Stuart had me do and then I could come back the next day and so when you know because you were just a raw beginner and I think Stuart was a little bit more of a beginner when, so you were a raw beginner when you when you obviously when you got to Oregon, and Stewart had had what ninety eight. So he had had 13, 15 years over here, sixteen years coaching over here, um, coaching beginners. I got to Eugene in eighty five, and he didn't do that with me. He gave me a different drill. That's that's further. It's more. It was more the walking rhythm. So he assumed the either either he assumed the other two, or he had defined that clearly enough at the time that that i that i came um but it's always a it's always a a question of which do you teach first do you teach the walking rhythm first or do you teach the wine first and and there's pluses pluses and minuses of each one but they both end up uh doing exactly what the what the graphic shows and the thing that i like about the way that you did this graphic is very early on you can see how to create uh, and you and I talked about it last the other night how you and I can or how you create uh, an integrous uh, an integrous system because this whole it's obvious it's building blocks and you're just you're just setting bricks and and this is what I like about this idea of the way you do it is there's a whole bunch of examples in the world of just this right i also think this highlights more, more subtly i think it highlights the importance of a coach because you can't you can't start stacking the pyramid this way unless you know what result you're ultimately going for um right. you know and and so i could build this pyramid right now because i've gone through this coaching process and so i i know how to build this kind of tiny pyramid here um, whereas my athletes that I'm coaching won't have a clue because they don't quite know where they're headed. And so, you know, having a coach there to organize training principles, you know, organize training so that these skills get incorporated, right. I, I, I think is really important because you, how the, how this model works, how I'm laying it out now, you would have to know where, where you're going. You'd, you'd have to know the end results. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that necessarily. I and maybe it's personal, um, and maybe it's it's uh, popular media. Um, there was a lot of times when Stuart would come in and just go, "No, we're doing this today," and you're learning a new skill, and you're not really sure how it it applies. So I don't know if the athlete needs to know. I think. Uh, obviously the coach has to know. Right. 
because yeah. there's plenty of coaches out there that just go, okay, do this exercise. And they don't have any idea why you're doing the exercise. It's just that, that, that Lance and Adam did it when they were training, but they don't know how it applies. Yeah. Let's, let's put it. That was okay. Yeah. Let's, cause I think we'll, we, you know, we, we could talk about it here in the next couple of slides. And so this, this next slide just shows we're, we're just, if for every, so we have a, a pyramid built here with four basic skills on the base of it. Um, so the, the, the base is four bricks across the next row is three bricks across the next row is two bricks across. And then it's there, there's one brick on top. So the, the triangle here has, has four skill bricks for the base and it's four bricks tall. And so we, we, we added one extra basic skill and then had to link up four new skills to get one unit of, of performance out of that. So now we have a four to one ratio of skills to performance. So the better you get, the, the more, the more um, performance you get, if, you, if you're gonna improve that performance, it's actually gonna take more work to get that improvement. Um, we'll move on to the next one. Now, what, what I see often is um, athletes get impatient as, you know, I, I think that's their tendency. They have a goal. We, we had a, a guest speaker here on Tuesday and they're talking about how babies learn how to walk and that babies learn from, they, they have a desire to learn how to walk and then they use the machinery that they were born with to, to play around with, to develop their erector spinae muscles and um, that sort of stuff. So to give them the ability to walk, but it's that desire to learn how to walk that, that the babies start exercising themselves essentially to, to get them to walk. Um, and so a, a motivated athlete is gonna want to increase their performance. And it's pretty frustrating to go all the way back to the base of the pyramid to start working at performance. And so it's really tempting just to get more performance by getting stronger and faster and throwing harder, essentially. Like just, just throw with more, more force and get it to go further. And, and I see that a lot, especially in like uh, NCAA division three, the, the smaller colleges, there's a lot of hammer throwers that, that kind of throw that way. Um, and um, I, I, and you know, I've talked about this a lot too, where it's, I think our way of training, um, I, I think you're probably one of the most skillful hammer thrower in history. I'll bet you your pyramid is just of skills is, is bigger than anybody else's. That's my guess. Yeah, I, I can't argue that. I, I don't know for sure, but there's a lot of times when I ask people, well, have you done this? You know, trying to find an analogy for one of these skills. Oh, no, I've never done that. How can you, how can you relate to this thing if you, haven't, if you haven't had these experiences? So yeah, you're probably, you're probably not too far off. Yeah, where people just get, they, they get, they get the basics of the throw and they just get really strong and really fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, but if, if you do that too much, if you just rely on strength and speed too much, you end up with this, this really narrow pyramid with a really small base and, and a really tall, um, um, peak on it. And you told me this term called the angle of repose. Yeah. Yeah. What, and I, you, you described it better than, than I'm going to, what, what do you mean? So, by the so angle of repose? And, and again, here we go with examples in real life. 
of, of things being connected. So the two examples that I have learned about angle of repose, I learned the, I learned the term from a hammer thrower that I coached here after you, Adam. And um, he was an exercise phys guy and they were talking about training and, and periodization and all this stuff and overtraining. And the example, so the angle of repose is, is where your training curve gets so steep, I don't know I'm backwards, that it fails. And the example in real life that, that Mike, the hammer thrower gave me, um, was the, the pile of gravel, the gravel pit. You know, you're driving by on the highway here on Beltline in, in Eugene, but it, everybody's seen them if you're paying attention. There's this, there's this big conveyor belt it goes up to the top and, it, and it's carrying gravel out of the crusher and it's dropping it onto the gravel pile. Well, it starts out flat. And as you can tell, you know, okay, nothing's gonna fall there, nothing's gonna fall. Pretty soon the thing gets high enough that this slope overcome the, the gravity, the normal forces and all of that stuff affecting the tiny bits of gravel becomes greater than the, the, the normal force of gravity becomes greater than the, the stickiness of the gravel particles and it slides down the, the slope, thus widening the pyramid again. And if you can go you know fairly uh, uh, infinitely, then you're just gonna just get this gigantic pyramid. but ultimately the, the angle of the sides is going to be the same whether once it reaches that certain point, it's going to stay the same. It's just going to slide down and build back up and slide down and build back up. But the thing that we're looking at as a training system is we want to avoid the slide down. We want to build the, 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 the base of the pyramid at an equal rate to the peak. And that's what you're, that's why I like this, this graphic way of doing this is because it shows that the other simple example was one of my, the, uh, the first head coach I worked for, uh, was a distance coach and he talked about the athlete you, you can't you can't go into the competition with the tip of your pencil too sharp because everybody knows if you're if you're if your tip's really sharp the first thing that happens is you break part of it off so you have to have a functional uh a tip on the pencil to you have a, have to a functional uh uh place in your physiology in, in your training system that it's it's maybe not your best uh you won't get your your 100 performance but with that 100 percent there's a big chance of you failing if you're if you're working at 95 percent it's a big chance you're going to be successful and in the real world of coaching that's the key is to have your athletes compete at 90 to 95 percent every single time and so we'll give you 110 percent it's impossible. You can't do that. It's physically in the world, physics, impossible to give 110%. And if you try to give 100%, you're probably going to break. Yeah. And, and I think we should, I, yeah. And by, by, by breaking, right, or, or using the angle of repose, if, if your pyramid topples over, you know, what that looks like in the real world is, is an injury, right? Right. I mean, I think that's what that's what we're talking about. You get hurt at that point. If you try to take a hammer and and throw it absolutely as hard as you can and you don't have 
the, the skills and the technique to handle those forces, you're, you're going to put the forces someplace on your body that can't handle them. Right. I mean, is that the. It's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that, that's why we really, there's a big risk that comes from trying to get performance with, with a narrow based pyramid. There, there's a real risk just to the athletes. And if you get, if you get hurt, you can't perform as well anyway. And so even if you were, even if you just wanted to treat athletes like, like, I don't know, numbers or, or robots, there's still a risk in it just in performance wise, right? You're, you're going to risk bad performances because the athletes are in pain <laughs> and, and suffering. But um, yeah, if, if you're just cold hearted about it, there's, there's still a risk. Um, and, not to mention. and it also creates a um, sort of a, a, a narrow because you're always feel like in, as you're competing, you always feel like you're on this razor's edge and, and it just makes that razor just a little sharper. And, and I don't know if we're going to get to that flow, the flow part of this deal. But yeah, then there's a lot more anxiety if you, um, you know, if you know that your <laughs> that your pyramid is steep you're you're hanging out there and 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 that creates a problem too in competition even just a, a mental thing yeah now it's now this slide is where i think we can probably start thinking about how how do you how do you progress when, when you when you run into a, a roadblock right what what if there's there's a basic skill you just can't do um and and I think every coach runs into this. You're, you're trying to teach an athlete how to do something and they just can't, they just can't figure it out. They can't get it. Yeah. And, and so using this model of two basic skills or at least two basic skills, you need to link up to make a more complex skill. If there's a skill an athlete can't um, get, if they, they, they can't succeed at, the coach or the athlete at this point too can think of two basic skills. They can split that more complex skill down into two more basic skills um, to see if the athlete can, can master those two basic skills and then try to link those up into the more complex skill. You kind of have to take literally two steps backwards um, <laughs> to, to go ahead and, and learn that, that one skill that the athlete is, is struggling with. Um, thoughts <laughs> don't know this is this is one yeah the it, it, as as a former coach um we'll just do it you know um that's that's the that's the attitude of some coaches you know the for those of you that don't know the sport very well um the world record holder is a russian and he came over and he would do clinics and there was there were there were clinics where all he would say in the whole clinic was push the ball, push the ball. And this is something that we had done, Adam and I, um, forever. That was that was the main ten, one of the main tenets of our training. But we we had to, and, and we had to find and we were helped by our coach to find many different ways to push the ball. Doesn't really matter what it means. Um, but in your mind, you can imagine a forehand tennis shot instead of a backhand tennis shot. So, um, so anyway, at, at some point, 
um, these these blocks have to just be well. You just have to you just have to do it. There is no like this one is a, it's a really good example of yes, there are there are associated skills, but then what if you can't do you know what what if you can't do the koji wall push dorsiflexion? Well, then is there two more and then two more and then you know so how deep does the root of the pyramid is it is it expected to go? So I I you mean. Ultimately, you should be able to get it down to like, uh, uh, you know, those those stages of development in that first year of life when when you go from infancy to walking. I mean, at least, at least that's what Stewart Stewart even talked about yeah. reflexes for coming out of the birth canal. The, the, the babies turn and rotate right, um, right. coming out of the birth canal. And he thought that 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 reflex had something to do with turning in the hammer. And he, you know, he never articulated it. Yeah, that's the look I gave him too. Um, but that's what he, he would always talk about going back and finding these child, uh, the, you know, these, these reflexes in infancy that you, you should be able to break everything down to that, to that level. Um, which yeah. let's not think about that too much because the, the pyramid analogy breaks down then. Does that mean that the base of the pyramid is bigger as an infant? Um, yeah yeah so we don't we don't think about that too much (laughs) and then and again we're talking there's two things we're talking about we're talking about performance of of an individual thrower and we're talking about a a training model or a learning model and and the the um sort of like a real world a real world response to at some point, these these sub these basement and sub basement squares, if if you if you have to go, you know, two more layers down just to learn a heel turn, chances are you shouldn't be a hammer thrower. Well, okay, so I'm, I'll, I'll push back on that one a little bit because at, you know, so at the beginning when we first started talking, you said Stuart started you off on this more advanced. Uh, uh, hammer thing and probably in the the 13 or 15 years in between you starting and me starting i'll bet you he worked with enough uh god was it suboptimal athletes i think that's a nice way of describing the difference (laughs) (laughs) and so he probably worked with enough athletes that weren't as talented to where he went back and found more basic fundamental skills to start throwers off with I think just by necessity. I, I mean, I, I think you just wanted to weed people out to whether they were worth training or not. You know, I, well, I know I know that he didn't have the six count when I got there. Yeah, we made we made the six count up. Um, he would always talk about you know the 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 gray ones. He would always you're, you're throwing the ball. You're not spinning and letting go. You're throwing the ball, and so that relates to a really basic throwing skill that we learn very young. Right. And so, so I, I I think Stuart did like, even in, in your time of training with them, I think he did identify certain skills that athletes would struggle with in general, and then figure out ways to split that skill into more basic skills. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and some of these, 
you know, and, and everybody talks about this, you know, all modern coaches now, you know, kind of bemoan uh, the, the loss of uh, a population of, of young athletes that used to go climb trees and run and throw and, you know, wrestle with each other out in the mud and, you know, just, just more active, more multi-directional uh, uh, skill is the skill acquirement um, just because of the way we play. Yeah. Um, and in a more structured way, um, the, 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 the loss of multi-sport athletes in high school and middle school and high school, you know, so there's so much more specialization and, and, and specifically to, to heighten the peak of the pyramid without taking the time to widen the base. You know, you see basketball players that, that can't do anything else yeah. anyway. Um, well, and, but, you know, and, and to your other comment, when you said, if, if you know, if you have to go, however many steps you have to go backwards in order to learn this one skill, maybe you shouldn't be a hammer thrower. I think that's true at University of Oregon. You know, it's like if you, <laughs> if you have to, you know, if, if you can't do uh, uh, a skip, you know, you're, you're just, you don't have the coordination to, to skip. Um, yeah, you probably shouldn't be trying to throw a hammer at University of Oregon. It's just, it's just going to be too long of development. By the time you get up to being a functional hammer thrower, you're, you've graduated and, and, and you're at a university with like Nobel laureates as professors, go find something better to do. Like there's a big (laughs) world out there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and, but, and there's always going to be something. So the other one that comes to mind is the time that I was doing a clinic and we were doing the walking rhythm drills, the six count drills. And, um, I made a javelin throw her puke. She couldn't spin around that many times. So that's not a skill that you can learn. That's a, that's a physical attribute that you kind of have to have to yeah. throw the hammer. You, you can't, you have to be able to go around at least five times without getting dizzy or you ain't going to very throw very far. Right. It's going to be a miserable life for you. Right. And, I, and I'll bet you, you, you know, we could bring on other event coaches and they could probably, they all have their one thing that says, yeah, I can't figure out how to make this skill any easier for people. Like yeah. for, for me, it's if the discus comes off the pinky instead of the index finger, I don't uh, know how to fix that one. Oh, that's easy. Oh, well, now you tell, well, we'll talk about it after. What, well, you better tell me now. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I have, I have some workarounds that, that I've tried, but I usually tell well, you the I don't know. We don't need to talk about it yeah. now because it, I don't know. Maybe I've never run into it. Yeah. Maybe the person I just had to say, it's like squeezing a bar of soap, right? And it squishes out in between your thumb and your forefinger, you know, or get them to throw, get them to hold it like you, you would hold a flat rock to start with. So they learn it, that it comes off the, the index finger. Can't yeah. do anything with it. You can throw it 10 feet because it's this gigantic disc instead of a rock. Um, the one that I could never figure out was the shot. <laughs> this one guy, he was a football player and he came out his last year. He was the, the, the boyfriend and now husband of a, of a, one of my javelin throwers, but he, he couldn't push the shot like that. He'd always throw it like this. Yeah. Like he's shooting a free throw. Like, or, no, oh, man, like he was he was wow. Ole. It was like, he was going, Ole. And, and I, I could not fix it. He, he could not fix yeah. it. 
Yeah. And so I think there's, I, I mean, theoretically speaking, I think you could get it back to some fundamental reflex and retrain them. But at some point, is it worth, it's a big world out there with a whole bunch of opportunities. Like, yeah. is it worth all that rip? And for every layer you go down, it's a tremendous amount of work to get you back up to just that basic level. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I really want to do an iron cross. And maybe in a world, you know, maybe I could. Like an iron cross, like on the, on the gymnast yeah, on the ring. thing? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. You know, and maybe back in high school when the gymnastics coach had a school-wide challenge to anybody that could do an iron cross and he had training equipment, stuff like this. Maybe if I would have cut my legs off, I could have done it. <laughs> but it's not really worth it. Right. Yeah. You know? So at some point, at, at what cost, and at what cost of the program, do you how how far down? And this is a completely different uh, conversation. This is what happens, folks, when Adam and I talk. It completely goes completely different ways than we imagine that it's going to go. Well, no, but I, I do think it's relevant because organizing skills, ac skill acquisition in this format, it's easy to explain to someone why you're cutting them from the track team. You know, like you can't, you can say, listen, it's going to take you six years to, to yeah. you know, following this development from my experience is going to take you about six years to develop. You're on the track team for four years. Yeah. You're talented in other ways. Go, go do something where you're going to get the maximum benefits for your talents. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and, and I think responsible coaches are, you know, at least for me as a teacher and a coach, I'm always on the student's team or, or the athlete's team. I, I'm, I'm there for them first and foremost. And sometimes the best thing to do for an athlete or a student is say like, yeah, you should probably go someplace else. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that's okay. Yeah, um, but uh, all right. So, so okay. th this slide just shows like, like, so the, the athlete couldn't get one skill. And so we went backwards and we, we like um, had some, mm -hmm. some even more fundamental skills. And I, I wrote in what prompted this is we have a, a common friend named Koji Murafushi um, who's, who's developing some exercise testing. And he's been nice enough to um, have, have my class play around with this exercise testing. And so I ended up putting the, together this PowerPoint thing just to try to make sense of why this exercise testing would be relevant to injury prevention. I just wanted a picture for, for how this would work. Um, so, so by doing fun, breaking things down to fundamental skills makes it easier to learn more complex skills. And sometimes you have to go backwards before you can move up. I think that's now here's another scenario um, that I think that I see with coaches uh, a lot too, where, um, and, and we kind of touched on this earlier where um, athletes do a whole bunch of work. It, I, I call this the CrossFit model of athletic development. Um, where you do like a whole bunch of basic exercises and you get this really wide base of, a, of an athletic pyramid, but those skills aren't necessarily linked up together in a way that's gonna give you good performance. And so you end up, this is really wide base, they're not linked up and it's, it, it's a pretty small performance, which can get really frustrating for athletes because they end up doing a tremendous amount of work 
and it spend a lot of time training, but they're just not getting the, the performances um, that, that they should be getting um, by, by doing all that work. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Lane. Um, so talk, <laughs> talk, talk a little bit more about, about why they can't hook up. Um, why they can't. Well, so, okay. Um, I'll, let me give a, a basic example. Let's say we, we have a, a, a sprinter and he, he wants to become a faster sprinter. And actually this example was given with Alaska speaker. Um, and so to become a faster sprinter, um, he tries to increase his bench. He tries to bench press more weight, right? Um, and so that takes uh, effort and time out of training to, to be bench pressing. Um, the athlete does what he's supposed to, right? He's put, he's dedicated. He puts in the time, his bench press gets better. It just isn't, um, um, all that work you put in bench pressing isn't going to help them necessarily sprint any faster. Does that make sense? And so that's yeah. what I mean. Like the, those exercises aren't linked up to the end goal, the end performance. They're just kind of random exercises or random skills that don't okay. necessarily make a faster sprinter or a better hammer thrower or shot putter. Yeah. 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 So this, is, so that's the confusion to me with, with this uh, graphic is these things do make sense. If I'm, if I'm going to. Oh yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's like, uh, instead of step at 180, maybe squat a hundred more pounds. Yeah. That's, or, that's, that's probably right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause, cause that is a really, you, you inadvertently maybe put them exactly where they need to be. Yeah. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote, I wrote two good exercises. <laughs> well, well here, here's an example of, um, <clears throat> um, you know, I put like, if you get to the nuance of the wines, right. Before the athlete can do heel turns, you know, is that real? I mean, they might be really good at the wines. It's not going to make them a better, they're not going to get a better throw. You know, they're not going to better. Eventually they will, but it, but it won't directly. It'll be, yeah, it'll be a, a little square off to the side for a minute. You're for right. a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And so but it needs to be there ultimately. Yeah. And, and so you, my, I guess my point is we probably shouldn't as coaches, we shouldn't plan for the future too long. Right. Because, because athletes certainly are frustrated. Not, yeah. Especially, yeah. Certainly not college coaches. Yeah. And, 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 you know, high school coaches, you know, three months is forever for a high school kid. You know, that, yeah. that's a long, that's a significant percentage of their lifetime. Um, and so, you know, you, you got to coach them in a way where they're going to perform in within weeks. Yeah. And so if you're yeah. focusing on the minutia of these technical details um, that are going to help them down the road a year or two, um, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe that's not the best thing to do. You're, you're building yeah. a really broad base of a pyramid, even if it's really great stuff. Um, yeah. It, it just go for it. Yeah. Another way to look at it maybe is with these graphics, you kind it kind of feels like, and it's kind of what you said there, you, it feels like once you get one of these squares, it's, it's a fully formed skill and you can do it every time. And, and there's two things. 
so maybe you only kind of get the heel turn so the the square isn't really square it's like a flat rectangle so it doesn't push the and and some of these things are more important than others so strictly speaking they're not all the same size square blah 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 but so maybe you don't maybe you don't abandon all of you maybe you do have partial learning in some of these squares and and it 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 doesn't add a a tremendous amount but maybe it adds a little bit yeah and i think i think you need enough learning to be able to and so by by a fully formed skill i guess we could define it as do you know the skill well enough for it to link up to make a more complex skill right yeah right And, and so there could be different qualities of that of that skill right so maybe you do a pretty bad heel turn in this case but it's still enough to link up to to develop a a new skill and that heel turn is going to get better with practice yeah you know maybe and and i think what this does is just even though all of these exercises are all these are all skills that you and i recognize as being very important to throwing the hammer there's a time and place for all of them uh, or at least ought to be optimally organized, you wouldn't necessarily want to do them all at the same time or just do them in willy-nilly order. You want to put them in the order that's going to be the most productive, the most, the most optimal for developing performance. I guess that's why I'm yeah. getting at with this slide. Yeah. And that depends on, sometimes depends on the athlete too. Well, totally. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Some, um, some people have, have, a, have an innate rhythm and so they can they can learn the, the wind. They've got the wind first first time out of the shoot. And and some people threw a discus for 10 years before they started throwing the hammer. And it took them 18 more years to learn a wind, a rhythmic wind before he threw a silver medal. So that's an oddly specific example. It's almost like you're you have somebody in mind. As yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Um, so the, and, and here, <laughs> so, so here, here's the downside of doing that, even though you got a, let, let's say you got a coach, he knows what he's supposed to be doing, or she knows what, what they're supposed to be doing. They, they got all the right drills, but it's, it's organized in the, in the wrong way. Um, the desires of the athletes and, and the coaches to get performances, they're still going to go back to let's just throw it hard and fast to get some performances right. and we're right back to the same problem of we, we have a functionally narrow pyramid, even though it's got this really big base, it's really functionally narrow and unstable and yeah. we're cruising yeah. for an injury. And so um, the advantage, what I like about this model is it would give coaches kind of a guide for what exercise or what skill you would, you would get first, second, third, for, and so you can, you can lay out a, a uh, an exercise training program chronologically because as humans we don't experience things in in a pyramid like this. We experience things one after the other after the other after the other, and so you'd have to lay out the exercises in a in a linear format for yeah. athletes to develop. Which I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. <laughs> Talk about before you get to Koji awareness, and because we're talking about growing this pyramid, you said something to me um, about the 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 area 
of the of the pyramid growing logarithmically. Yeah, yeah. And so, assuming that in order to to get this performance, you, you you know you 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 have to incorporate all the skills in the pyramid. So this pyramid has what ten blocks in it. Um, and so you would have to you know all these ten blocks of skills would have to be incorporated to get this performance. Mm-hmm. If you want to improve your performance. You, you would have to still perform all these 10 blocks of skills, but you'd also have to add another whole row of, of blocks onto this, which would be five blocks to get one more block of improvement. Um, and so now the area is 15 blocks for, for five blocks of, of performance. And so if you graph that out, the, the area is gonna grow much faster than the height of the pyramid. So improve if, if we're graphing performance based on the area of the, of the pyramid, it would grow logarithmically, right? Um, yeah. One, you know, as you get further along your skill development to get one more unit of performance would take a tremendous amount of work. And I, I think that that's what we see, um, you know, that, that, that's a natural um, phenomenon that happens in athletics. As you get better and better, it's harder to, to, to improve. Um, the, the, the margin of, of improvement just, it, it yeah. just takes so much work. And at, and at the same time, and this is, has nothing to do with any of this other than it's about performance. One of my go-tos when I was getting stressed in a competition, I would force myself to go back and think about the volume of training that I'd done that year. And it's like, I've done, I've, I've thrown 10,000 throws. Yeah. I can't not succeed. But my, the base of my pyramid is so huge that I, I, I have to succeed. And so in doing it this way, as opposed to stacking them, you know, just getting strong and fast, gives you a much, a much better mental state as well. Yeah. Because it has more integrity. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I, I skipped a point kind of building off that a little bit. I skipped a point where I said like, you know, if certain athletes can't do certain skills and you have to go back and find the simpler skills, maybe they shouldn't be at the University of Oregon track team. You know, from, from coaching at smaller colleges, uh, it's definitely worth it at Pacific University or, or a, a Division three school to go back and do those basic skills because the level of competition isn't, isn't the University of Oregon. You know, it's, it's a much different level of competition. You could win conference champion uh, conference championships every year in the hammer throw by just focusing on just a few building, you know, pretty modest pyramids. And so there, um, it is probably worth breaking it down. I think just because you can outcompete people at that level. Okay. Here's, here's another way to look at it. And I don't know if it makes any sense. and, And this maybe is a conversation off screen, but it occurs to me. So one of the things that I say a lot is um, in throwing the hammer, you have to do two or three things right. And there's 10 different ways to do them each. So mm-hmm. there's a million ways to throw the hammer far. 
what it makes me want to makes me want to think about is those three things being the the top three squares of the pyramid and and how all the other stuff pushes those up right so i started out with a whole bunch of squares on the bottom because i had a lot of athletic experience um and i and i've just naturally gifted i could do the heel turn without learning it just oh, okay um stuff like that but it always came back to you got to use the ball you got to stay level and that's about it <laughs> you have to use a pendulum yeah you have to use a pendulum and it's it's time posture and timing yeah. right you have to stay in the right position in the throw and you have to and you have to dance with the ball so so can you can you see where I'm going? Because I'm a li- I'm losing I, my track a little. Sure, bit. sure, sure. And so I I, I think uh, yeah. And so I think what you described is you described like if you're looking at the peak of the pyramid of like top performance, like what do you what does it take to get top performance? You went a level or maybe two down, like what you're saying, and said, okay, we can break top performance into these three criteria which could be valid. Like, I don't know if it's two skills that make a complex skill. Maybe it's a dozen skills that make a more complex skill. So I just use two because it's the simplest. Um, but, and so, so I think, I think you went a row down. Now, I think if you're talking to like really gifted athletes, that might be all they need. Um, and, and you can say, oh, do these three things. Like, ah, I get it now. Or that gives you categories to start breaking that stuff down. Okay, these more simple exercises are how I can learn how to use the ball or in these simple exercises, how I could um, do those other things you were saying. I don't know. I tuned out there for a little bit. I didn't really tune out, but so what, what were they again? It was use the ball. Just use the ball, just posture and timing. Posture and timing. So use the, and and yeah, pendulum. Yeah. Yeah. Hit, feel the pendulum and, and stay level. Really. Sure. And so, um, I, so you could, you could keep breaking those, those things down into simpler and simpler cat, you know, skills until you get down to like a really, really basic level. And so I think that's where. Can, can you go back to your screen that, that actually shows the skills that you have listed just so I can think about it? Sure. Yeah, there you go. And, and like I said, these ones I just kind of put in, this is at like yeah. 1 a.m. And uh, right. just, that, that's, when, that's when the magic happens. That's it. <laughs> So the reason that that came to my mind was, you know, you started about talking about more and more uh, complex uh, uh, or more and more movements to reach this complex movement. And it can be intimidating. Um, it's like how, and you know, the old thing that, that he used to say that Stuart used to say all the time, if you analyze, you penalize. And so if you think about too much stuff, then you can't move at all. And, and I'm just trying to figure and it, it, it. It's nothing about this is fantastic stuff. And it's, it's just the way it's stacking. I don't know. I don't know. So and I, I don't think, it, so I've, I've thought of like, since I've written this out, I've thought of like 10 contradictions that, that I could think of. But 
What's that? That's the hammer, but okay. Yeah. You know, and so, and, and, and so, and this, this is where I've kind of settled on this. I think, I think this, this model is good at showing a, a, about two, you know, three or four different conclusions that we can draw from it. Right. But it's not going to show you everything. It's just too much yeah. of a zoomed out blurry view. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, because I don't know what makes the connections. You know, there, there's a whole bunch of here that, that I don't know, but I do think this model holds true for a few different principles um, and, and simplifies understanding why you would do one exercise first and then, the, then another exercise. You know, I think, yeah. I, I think it does help, help with that. And it does explain right. why functional movement testing and testing people's ability to, do, to, to perform simple exercises why that would be a predictor of injury or, or they're yeah. negatively correlated with injury. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm totally yeah. jumping the queue with all that. that. All of this stuff makes complete sense. And it's, I think it's really good. Um, but, you know, I also do think, you know, I probably have a really interesting perspective, not to, not to toot my own horn here, but I was such a bad athlete. Training with such amazing athletes. Like I have a really weird perspective on this. <laughs> I mean, my, uh, you know, I, James Parker, I think he was a 60 foot shot putter in college. I think. Yeah. yeah he was 60, 200. In, in the disc. Yeah. Shot and, and close to 200 in the discus. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I would, I was so much worse than anybody else I trained with um, that it gives me a perspective. And I think that's how I, that the, that's why I like thinking about the like how far back on the basics can I go? Because I think right. you, you brought this up with like algebra. Some people need to, given an algebra equation, they need to go through every step line by yep. line to get to the answer. And yep. some people can just look at an algebra equation and goes, oh yeah, that's X is yeah. 42. Obvious to the most casual observer. Right. And so, yes. And so I athletically, I am that, that type of person probably that just had to work through it line by line by line by line. And I had to, and I didn't know what I was doing at the time. And I had a coach who I think appreciated the ability of going back to basics like that. And right. so I, I, I think I was just constantly just going back to basics all the time, trying to, trying to keep up with you guys. Yeah. And the other part of it is, and I mentioned a little bit before, um, and, and it doesn't, you don't need to, it, it wouldn't hold, it doesn't need to hold true in this, in this atmosphere, but you know, it's like, it's like John Smith says, John, John Smith, um, uh, he's coached uh, a lot of really, really good uh, throwers and he's, and he's a big uh, strength guy. He's really good at getting people strong. And so he told me once, um, he was coaching a guy named Dan Taylor, who was a mountain. Um, he was probably six, four, five, weighed 300, 320. And he was, he was the, the strongest shot putter in the country at the time. And what he told me is, you know, what do you, what do you do with, you know, if you get an athlete, what do you do if you get a V10, you know, an athlete that's got a V10 under the hood. And I, and I go, I don't know what. And he goes, turbocharge it. 
So he, he, he's a, he's a firm believer in, in, um, capitalizing on your strengths and for him literally. But my point is, and you, you said it. So I had some gigantic block of stuff in your pyramid from the get go, just because I could throw and James Parker, the same way I could, I'm really good at throwing heavy stuff far. And that's one of my basics. And maybe, maybe you can really, once you get, if you, if you fine tune this thing, then maybe you can talk about um, which, which of the squares once perfected are bigger than the others. Which ones are more important? Is it more important to do a heel turn? Is it more important to have rhythm? Yeah, I don't know. You know? And I don't know, I don't know how you could do that, but it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, to me, it's an interesting question. You know, and, and, and another way to look at that is maybe your individual blocks are bigger than my individual blocks. Right. And so if you think about it like that, really what this, what this pyramid is predicting is the optimal way of organizing training and how to organize training to, to minimize the risk of injury. Right. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter if your blocks are bigger than mine, you're going to get better performances for less skills, but you still want to organize training in a way where you get a, an, an equilateral pyramid essentially yeah, to, yeah, reduce, yeah, yeah. to reduce injury for you. I, I would have to do the same for me to reduce injury for me too. I'm just not going to throw as far as you because I got smaller blocks. That's a great, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know okay. if that works. And, and no, I, I I, I got your thing saying that you, you have to go here at three. So we're, yeah. we're, we're running out of time here. Um, and, and, and that's totally fine. Um, do we, do we bother getting into Koji awareness stuff? I think, I think that stuff is, I, I, I leaf through it and I actually did see some of that stuff he posted on Instagram or Facebook or something, yeah. some of that. So it was a little bit some uh, familiar to me, if 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 you're if you want your your students to to kind of uh, incorporate that into their thinking, it, it's pretty. I, th I think it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Right. It's like okay, so how you know it's like the president fitness test, only a little bit more sophisticated. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what I mean, do, I, what, what what do you need to work on? Right. And you know what? We'll we'll probably just but maybe I'll invite Koji on. And we'll, we could talk about this and, you know, I'll, sh I'll share this video with them. I'll kind yeah. of set up a, a foundation to see if, see if this is a valid way of, of thinking about Koji awareness. That's a good idea. Yeah. But as a, as a way to, to, you know, I get, and, and this is, if you think about our conversations, this is the way they go. Um, I, I, I tend to, to point toward performance because I was the guy that just threw as hard as he could every single throw of every single day. And you were, you were always about the process because you, you did everything every single time. You know, you did the warm up, all of the warm up every single day. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's a big difference between your performance and my performance, like huge, <laughs> like it's a tremendously big difference. But, but what's interesting is, is, you know, I, I definitely was a subpar athlete for division one standards by, by division one standards, but I still ended up being an all American. 
yeah, not by by all American standards, maybe not Division One standards. What I, was your best throw? Uh, in the uh, uh, two twenty three, something like that, sixty eight meters. So was it sixty eight? Something like that. Um, so all right, eighty three percent. Oh, you gotta of, be of yours. Yeah, that, that's a big difference of the, of the American record. Yeah, I mean that's, that's a solid B. Yeah, except those percents get really hard there towards the end. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think, I think I'm still number seven or something all time at Oregon. You know, and, and this is thinking like I was, I was a 52, sh uh, 52 foot shot putter in high school. I mean, there's, there's six kids a year in Oregon throwing further than 52 feet at the state meet. Right. I mean... I wasn't like just athletically. It's not like I, I had anything terribly special. And so like training like this, you, you, you might get someone with poor athletic ability, but they could still be an all American or, or right. go to conference or, or that sort of stuff. I, you know, did you ever, did you ever miss a meet for, for an injury? No, I never missed a practice with because of an injury. What? I never missed a day of practice because of being injured. There you go. See, there's there's the proof in the pudding. Well, it's anecdotal though, too. But but I mean, I don't think as a training group we weren't injured. You 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 no. dealt with some injuries, but again, you're dealing with quite a few, <laughs> a lot more force uh, than, than I was dealing with. Um, yeah, yeah, and and a different history. Yeah, you know, I was when I got here. I I, I was I got more healthy. Once I got here. Yeah. Lance, thanks as yeah, always sorry, for coming on. Sorry, I got to go. I got a, I had a, I had a failed uh, winch at Sacramento State. The cage won't go up. I got a ship. I got a overnight ship of winch to, to Sacramento. Oh, we've so all been there. Yeah, it's fine. With that, every, yeah. everybody experiences that at some point. Um. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm done recording. My other life. Maybe I'm insane It's not that hard Since to the brain Feels like prison to the heart You know I'm selfish
Hi, my name is Sam Girl, and you can stream my new song, Selfish, on all of your favorite platforms. <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. There you go. That's what I uh, do. That's it. <laughs> You do it it very well. Um, You just like say the same thing for 20 million takes that sounds exactly the same and then pick the one you like. (laughs) Well, you'd make a great teacher.